This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Mobile hunters, are you looking to make the move to saddle hunting this year? Or maybe you just want to add a few new pieces of gear or upgrade your current saddle gear. If that's the case, then head over to tetherednation.com where they've got all mobile hunters covered. Whether you're new to saddle hunting or an old timer, Tethered is your one-stop saddle shop. From saddles to ropes, sticks, ascenders, whatever it is you need, they have you covered. I've personally been using their gear for the past three seasons. Now my base setup consists of the Phantom Saddle and the Predator Platform. And if you're wondering why, I've chosen to use their gear above all else. Here's the cliff notes. They're innovative and pushing the mobile hunting forward overall. They cut no corners and prioritize the safety and performance of their gear. They care about the community that they've created and their gear allows me to hunt free. And above all else, I like to support good people doing good work. If you're interested in upping your mobile hunting game, then head to tetherednation.com. This podcast is brought to you by Skull Brew Coffee Company. Skull Brew Coffee roasts premium single-origin coffee, guaranteed to deliver the freshest coffee directly to your doorstep. The kicker? They're 2% for conservation certified and donate 10% of their proceeds back to organizations who support the interests of our hunting community. So go to SkullBrewCoffee.com and pick up one of their three killer roasts and fuel your hunt and fill more tags with Skull Brew Coffee. Welcome to the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast brought to you by Skull Brew Coffee Company. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 233. Today is part number two with the UP Bowhunter, and we're covering everything from hunting mornings in October to dirt road deer tracks and more. So stay tuned. everyone happy wednesday to you hope you are doing well hope you are feeling fine it is a hot one out there today man i hope i hope all you cats out there listening didn't have of course i'm recording this on a on a sunday we actually had our first farmer's market kind of of the weekend of the of the season this weekend with the with skull brew coffee company and uh it was it was a toasty one the only thing i could think of that was 
look, I, I like being in the deer woods as much as the next guy hanging trail cameras and stuff like that. But this was one weekend that I was glad that I was not out doing that. I'm, I was glad that I got out a little earlier, got my truck cameras up. I still have a few of them that I need to get out, unfortunately. Um, so I am going to have to bear some of the heat. Some of the hard to reach places, though, I actually just set I set up cell cameras and stuff like that. So I wouldn't have to venture back in during the sweltering summer months into some of those harder to reach areas. Most of the ones I need to hang now are probably some of the, you know, none of them are too terribly easy, I guess, but the easier of the, of the bunch to, uh, to get hung. Also, it made me kind of think of my buddy, old Chad Sylvester from, from Exodus. Um, because every time we go scout together, it never fails. We'll go scout together wherever we happen to be hunting, you know, whether it's Ohio, whether it's West Virginia, whether it's Missouri, whatever and wherever it might be, you know, he'll pick a date, you know, because we try to jam it in in between, you know, his his calendar, essentially, because they have a lot of, you know, Exodus puts out a lot of content. So they got a lot of things booked up and travel and stuff like that, you know, to record their white tail cribs and all that stuff. And so usually, you know, they have a really busy spring. And so usually our scouting trip gets pushed to like sometime in July and sometimes even into August when it's just like stupid hot out and it never fails. He picks like the hottest three days of the entire summer to go scout. I mean, and I kid you not, every time we've gone, it's been, you know, I think the low <laughs> for any one of our trips was in like the low 90s was <laughs> was the low temperature on any one of those the first time we actually went and scouted together and we might even told this story when we when we podcasted together but it was the first time he and i ever scouted together we didn't really even know each other we met each other on a just he was on the show he was on the podcast uh, and uh we were tent camping and it was like 96 degrees 97 degrees whatever it was and just like 100 percent humidity and miserable and we tent camp for the weekend and that was our introduction to each other. So, you know, I guess the moral of the story is there is that we were both probably pretty miserable, bug bitten, and uh, and we didn't want to kill each other. So I think that kind of cemented the fact that we can probably that we could probably hunt together and, and, and hang out and not want to kill each other on hunts. So that was where the bond was initially made was over sweltering temperatures, scouting gnarly, gnarly clear cuts and just getting torn up with briars and bugs and whatever the case is. Anyway. Going off the rails here a little bit. I'm not going to belabor this up front here today. We're just going to kind of get jumped into today's show. Um, have part number two for you guys with uh, the UP bow hunter. So we did part one. Uh, I guess it was two weeks ago. Got to know, uh, got to know the UP bow hunter a little bit. Talked a little bit about his upbringing and stuff like that. Today, what we're really going to do is dive more into specifically how he hunts and how he likes to get after it. Um, you know, most specifically, he does travel a fair amount, so we talk a little bit about that. Um, you know where we're going we're going to pick this episode up kind of in progress uh, of course in the in the midst of our conversation and what we start to dive into first here really is kind of talking about mornings and hunting mornings in October um cuz it's something that I want to get better at overall and it's something that I I try to do my homework and get better at it every every year um you know cuz there's a handful of guys man that you know that that I know that just have a knack for you know killing good deer in October um, and you'll hear some guys say this, and you know, I've talked to Tony Peterson, not, you know, to foreshadow, but, you know, be a, an episode coming up here with him in the next week or so. Um, and he's a guy that likes to get after it also in, in October, especially when he's traveling, because he can avoid a lot of that, um, a lot of the out of state, I guess, travel pressure, so to speak. And, you know, and if you can find deer, you know, maybe glass deer or whatever, you can kind of pattern them and stuff like that. I'm just not confident enough in my ability to go somewhere and 
pattern these deer in a short period of time and stuff like that to where it's like, I really try to utilize, you know, they're, uh, making mistakes during, you know, that pre rut rut time frame to, to give me an opera, an opportunity. But, you know, if you're a guy, you know, that, that can, you know, pattern a deer and, and get on deer and, you know, find, find their beds and, and understand where they're going to eat and, and play those, your terrain features to and from and stuff like that, man, you know, that early part of the year can be a great time to kill a good, uh, kill a good deer. The mornings for me are just the, the parts that are exceptionally hard. And what Greg will say, and UP kind of says this as well a little bit. And what Greg has said to me is like, you know, if you know where the destination food source is and you know where he wants the bed, you know, you just got to be there whenever he's going to, he's going to be there. Like he's going to, he's going to get to that bed at some point. Right. And there's a lot of things that go into that, right. Wind, like all those things, there's some studying that has to occur, but I'm just not, my skills are not refined enough yet to, to, to make that play. But we talk a little bit about that in this session, travel, travel, bow hunting. And then another thing is too, is just like whenever you travel, we talk a little about a, a little bit about his, um, I guess what we would call his hunt to scout ratio, you know, how much he's scouting versus hunting when he's traveling out of state, especially if he's going into a place blind and stuff like that. Cause I think we both kind of agree. People want to jump into a tree really quickly because they feel like they're there to hunt. And so they want that hunt tree time versus spending some of that time scouting. So we cover all that and cutting dirt road tracks and, and stuff like that and just kind of go all over the place. So super cool session with the UP bow hunter. I hope you all dig it. And as always, I want to thank you all for listening. I'm a morning guy. So it's, it's uh, funny. It, it, it's funny because you and Greg both are, and that's the yeah. thing, you know. And in, in like, and Cody DeQuisto is right. Like, it's like there's a handful of dudes I know who are morning guys, and like I, I'm, I'm trying to be, <laughs> you know. Um, it's uh, I'm not there yet. That's one of the things that I constantly right. is on my list every year of getting better. Is like hunting mornings, especially in like October, right? Because that's right. You know, people will tell you like that's the worst time to hunt mornings, right? Until you kind of hit that you know, pre-rut time frame, like sometime probably like after the 20th, right? Like you can maybe mm-hmm. start to get away with it because primarily if you're hunting mornings and you're doing it in October, I mean, you're hunting beds. That's, you know what I mean? Because they're not going to get up and they're not make they're not moving. I mean, they're moving every day, but they're not going to move too terribly far from their bed at that point. There's just not a reason for them to, you know, bio- biology right. isn't dictating that, it, you know, at that point food is probably more so than anything. And so what's your, like, how do you approach hunting mornings? You know what I mean? Like I've, I've talked to Greg about it. I know kind of how he does it and I've talked to Cody about it. So I'm just curious, like what your approach to, to morning hunting is. Well, you definitely got to know, you have to know close to where they're bedding and where they're feet. Right. I mean, that, that's pretty obvious. Um, I like to be away from where other people are at. You, you know what I mean? I mean, that's obvious too, you know, from, from definitely from, uh, you know that I like to use water a lot. So, right, right. You know, so um, you, you definitely got to know where we're close to where they're bedding and, you know, where they're generally feeding from. Um, if you take, like, like this year, um, I'm not going to necessarily say the state. Me yeah. and Greg are going to that state this year. Yep. But it was a velvet hunt. Um, it was a September 1st hunt this year. And, um. Finally, on day was a day three. I was able to kill a buck in the morning on September fourth. Hmm. You know what I mean? Right. And um, that was basically I seen where he had came out to go to the food um, two nights before, and I got the wind right, and I I knew the trails that 
that the deer were using coming off of it. And, you know, I shot them at the base of my tree right. this, this year. Um, but a lot of morning, you got to know where the beds are at. And one, one of the things, not necessarily exact beds, like, you know, Greg is an exact bed guy. Yeah. He, he likes to know the beds. I, I think he, you don't necessarily have to do that. I, I for me, I don't have to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think a lot of it has to do with when, when I first started like getting away from people and, and trying to find um, places where other people weren't at. And this is, I guess it's kind of cliche these days. It really kind of is. But when you start seeing three-year-old and four-year-old and five-year-old deer that are coming back to their beds and it's eight o'clock, mm-hmm. eight thirty in the morning in the middle of October or even, even late October or early October, October, and they're actually coming back to their bedding area, then you know, you're doing something right. Right. You, you know what I mean? It, it, yeah. You can blame it on the moon one day here and there, you know, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I know the hunting beast always had a, you know, uh, a, um, like, um, morning hunting days where the bucks are going to be late coming back to their bed. Right. But if you're, if you're on pressured property, it doesn't matter what what the the moon phase is. <laughs> you, right. you know what I mean? Like they're going to be in their beds before sunrise if it's really really pressured. So if you're getting into an area and you're finding areas, you're paddling, you're working harder, and you're crossing water, and you're getting into areas and you're seeing bucks at eight thirty in the morning, you're shooting deer at eight ten in the morning and stuff like that on a Saturday morning. You're in the right areas. You're doing all the right things. Right. Does that does that make sense? No, it to, it to, it totally makes sense. You know, and that's the one thing I think. You know, the I, I did some well, Greg and I did a podcast after we did it, but we we did some scouting together, and I he was making fun of me because I was like, man, I I can never find beds. And I was literally saying that to him while I was standing <laughs> in a bed. You know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it, it, you know, I, I think a lot of times I was looking for beds that were way more defined than I should have been. Right. Um, yeah. And, and it's, sometimes they're really, really subtle. Right. And so mm-hmm. there was a couple, you know, there was one particular bed that well, two beds that we found that we think the same buck was using in that, like that spot to me. And he and I were talking about it and we talked about it on the podcast It's probably one of the only setups I would have around here for, uh, for a morning hunt, you know what I mean? Because it's just like, it's really slick access to get in. Um, you know, right. it's, it's off of a, a scrape area. There's rubs going in and out of it. So it's clearly he's using it. I don't know when exactly it, it, he may not start using it to like mid October or whatever it is. Right. Um, mm-hmm. but that's like the one area that I know, you know, that it's far enough away where we didn't see any human sign like around it to where like that buck should probably be pretty comfortable kind of coming and going in that particular area. Now there's yeah, some other. Good. You know, it's, there's some other areas like, you know, there's one place I have some water access and stuff like that. And it's just there's so much pressure around that. The reason I hunt that is because all the pressure around it just kind of what I've learned is kind of shoves deer into that particular area. And so mm-hmm. I can slip in undetected, you know, right up in their business um, and have some opportunities. But it, it's that more is more so like a pre-rut hunt more so than anything. Cause I will get bucks hitting this one particular scrape, you know, starting probably like around the 16th, 17th, um, in the, you know, either in the morning, you know, late coming back to bed or early in the evening where it's still daylight out hitting that scrape. So they're like, they're, they've got to be bedded close, you know? 
Right. Um, because it's before they're really moving. It's more of like a scrape of opportunity between wherever they were betting and wherever they're going or wherever they were and when they're coming back to bed. Um, mm-hmm. So those are probably the best opportunities, the best opportunities I have. But it sounds like you like you're right. Greg wants to find like the bed. You know, it's like he'll hunt right. the bed. Um, mm-hmm. It sounds and, like you're and, hunting. And that goes, that goes back to the Dan days. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what Dan Dan preaches. You know what I mean? It it, it really does. Mm-hmm. Um, is it any different if you're hunting? Really if you're hunting, close. like, I'm not really. Is it any different if I was just gonna say? Is it any different? You know, do you have a different approach if you're hunting, say, Jersey, your home state, right, where you're maybe using water access, or you know, and then maybe you're traveling to I don't know Ohio and you're hunting, you know, hill country or something like that. Like, do you is your approach to mornings any any different because you're potentially your access is going to be different or do you, is it always kind of the same regardless of what the, what the, well, what, if what the I'm setup traveling, is? If I'm, if I'm traveling, you know, like, like we've hunted Ohio, you know, we hunt mm-hmm. Michigan, different parts of Michigan. Um, I've hunted Connecticut and Maine and, um, here in Jersey and, um, stuff like that. But if I'm traveling, I have the week, it's a totally different kind of thing than okay. when I, I'm hunting home. You know, you know what I mean? Home, I kind of, I've got some winter scouting in. Most of the time when I go out of state, I don't have a lot of scouting unless it's like, you know, been multiple years in that area. Right. Like Ohio, we hunted Ohio a couple of different years. Mm-hmm. So we, and, and we hunted the basically the same big chunk of forest. Mm-hmm. And so we had an idea from the year before, but we went in blind the first year. Right. You, you know, and my buddy killed a, 154 incher and we like i said we all work together you know what i mean right on, on those things and and uh i mean we're individually hunting you know what i mean but mm-hmm. we're working together and you know my cousin owns a printing shop and he prints us out this big huge tablecloth it was a map of the area it oh, was nice. so sweet we would sit we'd sit around drinking beers around the campfire with headlamps on and on the on the picnic table and like where are you going like i seen this here you know what i mean at night and just it, 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 it was awesome. Ohio right. was, we had good years out there. Nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you're going to a state and you have a whole week, like no distractions, I mean, dude, yeah. like if you're not, if you're not seeing some deer, unless it's like really hot weather or something like that, I mean, yeah. if you got a few years under your belt and you're not seeing deer, you, you know what I mean? Like, you should probably be scouting more to get yourself in deer. Right. So when you yeah, go, you know I mean, but, I'm just gonna say. Yeah. So when you go on tri- when you go on trips like that, like what's so say you're going to a new piece, right? Out of state, mm-hmm. going to a new piece. Um, what's your hunt to scout ratio? Like, do you get there and you just spend like the first like two well, days scouting? So my, brother, before... my, bro- yeah, my brother is generally with, mm-hmm. <laughs> and like I said. That guy will, he wants to jump in a tree the very first night. I'll tell him, like, dude, we're spending two days, at least two days, like, learning roads, access points, you know what I mean? And, and right. walking and, and figuring things on a, on a eight day hunt or a six day hunt, like, or a, a, like a five day vacation with the two weekends on either side, uh, right. kind of deal, like a nine day hunt or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, um, like, we are spending Saturday and Sunday scouting. You know, and he's basically up by Saturday night. Yep, I see what I need. I'm getting in a tree. I'm hanging a tree stand. And I'm like, no, dude, <laughs> we got to have options. You know what I mean? Like, so I like I like to scout. Um, I like to scout a couple of days. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. With our group, we, we have about five or six guys. I got cousins and brothers and Navy buddies and, you know, and, and um, just a bunch of buddies that are all bow hunters that we generally hunt together a lot. And, um, you know, basically we're all trying to help each other out. And um, we'll, a lot of times we'll drive around together, you know what I mean, and, and just get a lay of the, the new land. And just try to, hey, this is what I've seen on the, you know, everybody, hey, Todd, let me see your pins, you know, right. and uh, what, what do you, what do you got on, on X, you know what I mean? To, 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 to um, and, and we'll, we'll go over that stuff a lot of times. Like I'll, I'll show those guys, hey, these are all the things that I'm looking at. Now you guys can look at all these ones, but these three here are definitely ones that I'm going to. So you guys figure right. your own out, but right. you, you know what I mean? Kind of deal. And, um, and sometimes they pan out, sometimes they don't, you got to be on the ground. Right. But, I don't, I don't necessarily like to spend too much time on the ground because I think you're screwing yourself up. I really do. Like, right. I like Clint. I love to go in and hunt when I walk in. Right. You know what I mean? I really, really do. You know what I mean? Like if I go in there those first few days and we've never been on a piece, like it's about like that place in Ohio, the first year we never were on it before. We got there Saturday morning. We drove through the, everybody drove from all different Michigan and, in Connecticut and 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 Jersey, you know, we all got there and got camp set up in the morning, Saturday morning, and then we were all scouting. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, we drove around. We put like three men in a truck and stuff like that, and and just go around and scout. Like I like that, I like this. I'm getting out here. Hey, drop me off here for a little while. I'm gonna take a walk up on that ridge. You know, meet me back here in an hour and a half at this at this little dam right here. Or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. It, it, it just trying to get a lay of the land, and um. Like I said, we we all were in deer. We didn't all see the deer that we wanted to shoot. Um, my my buddy the first year did. He shot that big two hundred pound, one hundred fifty four incher, um, and he had a bigger one that came in before that, but just a little bit too far for a shot. Um, we were dealing with that that year. We were dealing with really hot weather. It was like seventy nine degrees for most of the week. That's uh, rough. Um, yeah, it it was. Actually, yeah. the following year, the same way. It was really weird. I mean, my feeling, um, my feeling is, when you go out of state, when you travel somewhere, especially if you've never been there before, if you're just if you're seeing deer, like you're winning, you know, <laughs> like yeah, that's that's kind of that's kind of my opinion. But I'm curious for you because I, I I'm probably very similar to kind of how you you approach things. Like I'll, you know, when I go to a new a new area, and it, you know, Missouri was an example of that. You know, the year before Iowa was an example of that. You know, you just kind of walking in and trying to figure it out on the fly you know i'll typically mm-hmm. start you know i'm very I, I follow very much a john eberhart method truthfully like whenever okay. i do that kind of stuff where it's like i'm probably going to go in like as it's cracking daylight because i want to be able to see you know i don't want to miss anything yeah. and i'll just yeah, scout. A lot of yep. yeah and so i'll just scout 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 until i find some type of sign like we were kind of talking about earlier where it's like you get a gut feeling you know and mm-hmm. as soon as i hit that i'm like all right i'm setting up and it might take me till 30 minutes before dark to find it, you know what I mean? And I'll, mm-hmm. and I'll set up. And so like, what I'll do is I'll end up like leapfrogging, I call it leapfrogging where it's like, I'll set up there that night. You know, if, if I found something decent late, look at the weather the next day. And if I got the right wind to get in there, you know, for, for entry, you know, and to hunt it mm-hmm. effectively, I'll leave all my stuff there, go back there, hunt that in the morning. Cause now I know how to get there in the dark, you know, so I can get my morning mm-hmm. hunt in and I'll sit there till, Nine thirty, ten o'clock, and if I don't see anything, you know, then I'm down and I'm moving, trying to find my next spot. And I'll do that for several days until I get kind of what you're talking about, which is like now I've got options. 
you know, that I know that there's deer in these areas because I've found sign, you know, and so now I can no, hunt, them, hunt them accordingly. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. That's a good approach. And um, in Ohio, I did that that, that first year. I, I did mm-hmm. that. I, I would go scout in the, in the like, for I would take a shot at something that I felt good about in the morning, yep. never going in there. If it panned out, it panned out. If it didn't, um, I would get down around 11, mm-hmm. and then I would do a scout hunt for the evening, and then I would leave my tree stand up. Yeah. Uh, you know, since then, I, 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 I'm hunting out of a saddle the last few years. But, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, leave your stuff right in there and then hunt the morning right in the same exact spot. Yeah. If you, if, if you feel that it could be an evening and or a morning spot, and you – and you didn't see nothing in the evening, you have really have nothing to lose the next morning to go right back to the same spot. That's, that's just it. A, to me, that's a really good approach. Yeah, that but was just it. It's if, like I didn't if have... It isn't paying, if it's not painted by 9 o'clock in the morning, the following mor- morning, yeah, get the heck out of there and, yeah. and, and re, you know, re, reset the, set everything and get, get on something different. Yeah. So whenever you're hitting these and spots, like, man, what, what, are you, what kind of sign are you looking for? Like, what do you want to set up on? You know, for me, just like the way I am, it's like my... You know, like, for example, Greg, you know, Greg loves him some rubs, you know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like he will hunt, he will hunt the shit out of a two way rub line, you know, like me, it's like, yeah. I typically don't like, I'm more the guy that's like, I'm looking for like a hammer scrape area and maybe in depending on the deer density and, and, and stuff like that, it may not be a hammer scrape area. It might be a good scrape for that particular area. That's like embedding cover, licking branch, you know, and just feels right where maybe a couple things are coming together. That's more my, that's more my style. Um, you know, I'm just curious for you, like when you're out there scouting, you're kind of looking around, man, like, what are you, what are you looking for? Like what sets off your spidey senses and say, it says, okay, yep, this is, this is it. So a new piece that you're not familiar with at all. Right. um, Yeah. The very first place that I'm, the first thing that I'm looking for, and it's very basic, but I'm looking, I'm driving dirt roads and I'm looking for big tracks crossing roads. You know what I mean? That's yep. going to be my starting point. That's going to be my start. And if I see that and and then you, you, you see the direction of it and you kind of figure, okay, was that last night? Right. That a, you know, like, where's he going? Where's that big track going and where's it coming from? You know what I mean? They yep. try to figure things out, backtrack it or go, go which way he was going or go back, which way he was, you know, what, whatever way. And if you can find another set of tracks going back and forth or, two sets of his tracks going across over the last couple of days. You know what I mean? Yeah. Those are, those are, that's very basic, but it's a lot of people may, may not know that, but yeah, I'm going to start with that kind of stuff. Right. Um, I'm going to go looking at those pins that I had dropped from just regular e-scouting. Mm-hmm. And then when I get into those places, if they, they look, my spidey senses are tingling, you know what I mean? And, and I, I get in there and I'm seeing runs and I'm seeing uh, scrapes. Um, a lot of it has to do with weather. If, if, if it's raining mm-hmm. or it has been raining and that scrape has been freshened or it hasn't been freshened and it is raining right now. And you know, it, it looks like it's a, 
it's definitely a, a scrape that's been opened more than once. It's not just a, you know, like a frustration scrape or whatever you want to call it, just a the time of year, a two-year-old scrape, you know what I mean, where he's just opening up a scrape just for whatever reason. Right. Like if it, a, a, like a permanent scrape there, mm-hmm. and it hasn't been opened. I mean, man, you really got to think about, I should if, if the rain's going to break here in a couple hours or, you know, I should probably be around the scrape or, yeah. you know, I, I personally, when I find signs, I don't need to go a whole lot farther plant. Right. You know what I mean? Like I really, 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 the most, the thing that I worry about the most, I mean, first I worry about the regular, which way the wind is coming and the thermals and all that stuff. But I worry about that. My ground sand. Mm. I mean, that's almost number one. You know mm. what I mean? Like nothing's going to screw you up more than walking across your sign that you think the deer is going to come to you too. And you're, you know what I mean? Like you're 20 yards from, he's going to hit your ground scent before you ever get a shot at this guy. Right. You know what I mean? So when I walk into a place and I'm coming up on sign and this time, everything is just like, Oh, this is feeling good here. This is feeling really good. And I see this and I see that I seen the tracks down below down the road. And it, it, this, the trail he was on is coming up here and I've seen his tracks coming up this hill, up this hill or this, this, you know, run here, and all of a sudden, boom, there's a scrape and there's rubs. You know what I mean? If I keep going, am I walking past it? Am I putting my ground scent in there and I'm just screwing it up? Like, why am I doing this? Right. You, you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if, you, if you overwalk it, you're going to kill it. And it's not going to be a good hunting spot to, to me. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think a lot of guys over scout do sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And they'll go too far. Like, you walk past the sign to try to get the better sign and you actually screwed up the sign back behind you because you walked through it all. Yeah. It's, it's, I've been guilty of that in the past. It's funny you mentioned that because that was probably one of the big learning experiences for me was once I stopped walking past that, like it's partially fear of missing out, right? FOMO, right? Mm -hmm. People have that fear of like, what's over the next Ridge. I'm guilty of it. And right. But it's okay, in my opinion, to be guilty of it when I'm scouting because it actually is the thing that makes me walk, walk further and check more stuff, right? But mm-hmm. during hunting season, you know, when I'm hunting, and it might even be a place that I'm familiar with and I'm just, you know, not sure where all the signs being laid down. Maybe it's not exactly where it was last year and I need to kind of figure out where things have kind of moved or whatever the case is. Um, a lot of times I used to kind of walk by sign thinking that there was something better. And oftentimes Mm -hmm. what I had walked by was actually the spot. And once I stopped doing that and started, once I saw a fresh sign or hot sign or whatever I thought for that area was, was good, you know, cause it's all contextual, Mm -hmm. right? It's like depending on where you're at, like if you're in a piece of big woods somewhere, it's like, I've seen world-class deer make small rubs and small scrapes, (laughs) you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And, and, and know that they're there because I have trail camera data that tells me that they're there, you know? And so Mm -hmm. you have to be able to kind of understand what you're looking at in context of where you're at where you're hunting. Right. And so, so first I think you have to know that and you can find that out whether, you know, try to make some friends that live in the area and they don't have to tell you like where they're hunting or whatever, but just qualify what you're seeing, validate it. You know, that's the, that's the big mm-hmm. thing for me when I'm hunting a new place is just try to find someone who's familiar and say, Hey, I was out scouting and I saw this, this, and this, is this, is this, would you classify this as a good sign? You know what I mean? Or would yeah. you look for something bigger and better? You know, just so you understand like what people who have familiarity with that spot, you know, what they know mm-hmm. ab- about the area. But as soon as yeah. I stopped passing that sign and setting up on it, encounters went up like tenfold. 
like ridiculous. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's, it, 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 go ahead. Well, and, and the thing is too, like you're, you're in a new area. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You've never been there before. You're, you're hunting it. You're in an area. So like, okay. So you throw a hunt at it. It, it, it. If it makes your, first of all, like you said, if it's making your spidey senses tingle, you know what I mean? There, there's a reason. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. something's telling you go for it. This is it. Don't second guess it. Do it. Yeah. Okay. It may not be perfect. It may not be right. Okay. But you didn't screw it up. You only went to that edge and you stopped and you put a tree stand up there or you got in your saddle and you hunted it. If you feel like there's signs past there, then go in there the next day. You, yeah. know, you know what I mean? It's not going to hurt nothing to go farther. Yeah. You didn't screw nothing up. Right. You, you know what I mean? So. But you could screw it up if you go too far. Right, right. So, you, you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. You got to think about it. Like, we're, we're talking about a out-of-state hunt here. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It sounds. And you've never won any of this before. You don't know anything else. This is, you, you did your preliminary scouting day one and two, maybe. Um, that led you to this. Okay, I need to go up on that ridge up there. And you went up to that ridge and then, boom, with a, with your your saddle and your sticks and, and and you run into that sign and you're like, ooh, 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 I'm not stepping over these trails. I'm just, hold on a second here. And you just t- take a look around. Like yeah. what's going on here? Where's the edge? Why are the deer here? Why is that scrape there? You know, before you go any farther, just take your time, yeah. take your time and just look around and just, okay, listen, I don't think it's going to, okay. Okay. The, yeah. Look, I don't need to go any farther. This is better than what's over there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. I can tell you right now by looking over there that there's not not a whole lot more deer sign there. Right. You, you, you know what I mean? Because that's open hardwoods or that's you, you, whatever it is. You know what I mean? Just read it. Like, yeah. but if you 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 stop there and you look around, and you say, mm, I don't know. Maybe it's better over there. Look at that. That's an aging clear cut over there. I need to go there. And right. you, okay, then walk through it. Yeah, I think I think that that's important is just, you know, um, having some patience and asking the questions why in the moment. I think a lot of times like you're so geeked up that you found some sign and you start to make poor decisions, you know, immediately mm-hmm. after seeing that. Yeah. And I've certainly been guilty of that. And I think, you know, as I've started to learn to like pause and I'll literally do what you're saying. It's like it might take me 20 minutes just standing there looking around to figure out which tree I'm going to yeah. get into. You know, and that's not. There's not a thing wrong with that, Clint. There's right. not a thing wrong with that. That's actually good hunting. You're you're actually reading the sign, and you're doing what you should be doing. You're using all the experience that you that you've earned, mm-hmm. yep. and you're using it right. You know what I mean? Like, take a minute, take a minute, and and stop. Yep. You know what would Johnny? What would Johnny Stewart do right now? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? like, that's a great. What would he do? What, what would Greg do? Right. What, you know what would these guys do? And, and you know. I got. I got to throw this out there. My my. I, I I like Johnny Stewart. Me me and him. Have, you know, we're following each other on Instagram now. I don't know him. I love listening to him on podcasts and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And and Greg has got mad respect for him. Yeah. But my my Johnny Stewart is DJ Rutledge. He's a local guy here. Okay. He is. If I got to learn from anybody, I've learned more from him just sitting around. And DJ Rutledge. And I'm telling you right now, if DJ and Johnny Stewart. If you put those guys in a deer camp together, they would hug each. They would say about four words to each other, <laughs> and then all they'd both have a beer or whatever, and they'd look at each other and they'd probably give each other a hug. 
Right. <laughs> a big man hug and say, where have you been, brother? Because they're, they're exactly speak the same. They're exactly the, the same person. And yeah. it, it, it's so, it, it, like I said, I don't know Johnny. Right. I don't, I don't know him. I just, I just from what I've heard him talk. But DJ talks exactly the same way, and he is a killer. I've never met a man that kills pretty. He, he'll tell you, Todd. And he's not saying it in a egotistical way because he's not egotistical at all. But right. he will say, "God put me here to kill critters, Todd, and, that, and that's what I'm doing." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, I mean, there's some, does, there's does, some, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's some cats like that, man. And that's, I mean, you yep. hit the nail on the head. Like Johnny Stewart is one of those, one of those cats. But you know, yeah. the one thing going back to kind of like qualifying what you're seeing without busting it up, it's like one of the things I even started doing was when I see sign, like if I can, right, I'll, I won't even necessarily walk over to it. I'll figure, I'll look and see like, can I stand on a stump or something like that where I'm at? And can I use my binos and look in the scrape to see like yeah. if it's fresh or not, you know what I mean? Or I can I, time. can I see a track in it? You know what I mean? Or whatever the case is, like I'll go that far. So I don't move any, so I don't move, have to move any further. And then if I'm like, yeah. yep, it's, it's fresh or I can see fresh paw marks in it or whatever the case is. Then I, I say, okay, it's, I'm, I'm now hunting it. I've made the decision that now I just need to figure out which tree I'm going to get into and figure out. And then Flint, you just Flint kind of look Flint. around and figure out where the deer are going to come from, make an educated guess on that. And I'm going to try to set up to take my best shot opportunity from where I think they're going to come from. That's absolutely perfect deer hunting in my, in my book. That's absolutely perfect deer hunting. And it goes back to like what, what I was saying earlier about the experience. I can go in with a headlamp and this isn't being egotistical at all either, but I can go in with a headlamp. And I've been here before and with a headlamp and never been in this place, but I've seen this, this, and this. And like we were talking about the edge and oh, 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 I'm not going in the opening. I'm not going, I'm going to cut back into the woods downwind of where, you know what I mean? Yep. And then cut back over to that, to a good tree that's on that opening on that edge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and that's what that's about. That's about not going in there and contaminating the area. You expect deer to come through. Right. Yeah. You, you, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, hundred percent, man. That's good deer. Yeah, that's good deer. And it's and it's yeah. look, it's 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 something you just have to like, you know, you you have to stop and think. I mean, there's plenty of things still that I run through and I don't think about in the moment, right? And it just as you do it longer, you start to think about you, your mind starts to slow down. And I kind of equate it to, you know, athletes who you know get in the zone, so to speak, right? It's like you, you know, you always hear football players say, you know you know, there was a small window of time in my career where my mind matched my physical capability, right? It's like, cause early right. in their career, they were, you know, they're young, their bodies aren't failing them. And they're just like, physically, they're a freak, but mentally they don't know the game yet. Right. They don't know the game yeah. properly yet. Right. And then they hit this mm -hmm. point of their career where it's like, they're the, like, they're almost as smart as they're going to be. And they still have enough physical capability that the game slows down for them. And that's like the peak of their career. Right. And then on the back yeah. side of the career, they know more about the game than they've ever known, right? And know exactly what they need to do, but their body won't allow them to do it anymore, right? And so they exactly. have that small window of like where everything kind of comes together for a moment. And to me, that's kind of how I think about like my 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 bow hunting journey, right? And not that it, like I'm mm -hmm. going to be over the hill or anything like that, but that the game slows down for you the more you do it. And you'll hit this, you'll hit these different moments. At least it's been that way for me where different things start to click, you know what I mean? And, and it yeah. slows down for me. And the big one for me was when I didn't have to think 
real hard about wind and thermals anymore. When I could walk into mm-hmm. a spot and kind of knew what was good and I knew what was roughly going to happen. You know what I mean? Like I knew what my prevailing was. I knew what my thermals were going to do at different times of the day. So that means this is how that deer is probably going to use it. And this is probably where I need to be set up. Right. And so, you know, and, and like, and, and I understand that now and it, and it clicks for me, the part that I still don't, that I'm still not great at that Greg is really good at when we were scouting together. It's like, he sees something and he immediately had three trees picked out. And he's like, where would you, mm-hmm. where would you set up? And I was like, mm-hmm. mm, maybe this one. He was like, uh, uh-uh. uh, <laughs> you know, and yeah. I, it's like, and I, and so I was looking around and I finally like looked and I was like, okay, I, I was like, maybe that one. He's like, mm, that's one of them. You know? And I was like, Oh Jesus, man. I was like, I didn't know you had three. I was like, I got one. I'm, I'm good with that one. You know, but he had already picked out three scenarios that he could, he could potentially set up in. Right. And he's really yeah. looking for back cover and, and, you know, and all the things that I'm kind of looking for, but he just sees it differently and more quickly than I do. Do you kind of, is, yeah. it, is it the same for you? I mean, can you kind of like pick out your setups and stuff like that? And what, what are you looking for, for in a tree setup? So things have changed a lot for me in the last four years because I switched over to, to traditional. This is going to be my fifth year. Okay. So I went from a, uh, like a 60 yard radius to a 30 yard radius. Mm-hmm. In in the last four years, and it hasn't hurt me one bit. It's actually been great. Last year, I killed three deer, and the farthest shot was four yards. Wow, you, you know what I mean. So yeah. my setup's got to be. I have to think about. Okay, I'm gonna I want to be like 15 yards and in. You know what I mean? That's a for me. That is a dead deer. Right. 15 yards. If it's too close, it could be a little. I got to think about that shot a little bit more than like a 15 yard shot. Right. Because I got you know what I mean. I got to aim low, but um. Yeah, so it, it has. But getting back to what you what you said um, about how things just become natural for you and, mm-hmm. and, like, the thermals and all that kind of stuff, if you really put your mind – and if you really think about this, something really came to mind here, that is basically what a five-year-old deer is, is doing. Yeah. Like a one-year-old – a year-and-a-half-year-old and a, 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 year a two-year-old deer, they don't figure – they don't know – exactly how I should enter a place. And if I do enter here and I smell something like where it's coming from, like a a mature buck, when he comes into an area and he smells something, it doesn't, he knows like, boom, like it's over in this court, this, this quarter over here is where I should be looking. But you know what I mean? Like that's where that came from. And, And that's experience. Deer get the same. I, I think deer get the same experience that we do. You, 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 know, you know, like you said, I don't even have to think about winds and thermals and all that kind of stuff anymore because it's become natural to me. Right. That that's exactly why a buck will a, a mature buck is different than a, a, a immature buck. You, you, you know what I mean? On how, like, if they come down, if they they come into an area or, or, or something like that, they know which way to come in. And when they come in there, oh, woof, something just hit me in my face. Like right. some just hit me, boom. And they look over in the feet, that corner of that field or that, the corner of that opening, you know what I mean? Up in the top of that, that hill or whatever it is. And they know, boom, it came over there. Okay. We're going this way. Mm-hmm. I'm out of here. Right. You, you, you know what I mean? It's the same exact experience. I mean, human, like you as a predator, they have the same experience as a, as the prey. Yeah. You, you, 
I hope does that make sense? No, it to, it, it 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 totally does. You know, it, the yeah. the only thing I would say that I would add to that actually is that you know they are it happens for them so much more quickly because they live it every day. You know, so yeah. what what might take me, you know, years to figure out, right? As like a guy who's hunted, you know. <laughs> since he was 12. Right. And some of this stuff, you know, just say like even a person that's, you know, a hundred all their life and they're in their, in their twenties. Right. It's like a lot mm-hmm. of that stuff probably doesn't for very few. I, I've not met a lot of, a lot of dudes who aren't in their, at least their thirties where like it's, it's made sense. Right. And it's probably because, you know, guys we're, we're, we don't mature as quickly as women. Right. <laughs> it's like, it's a, right. we have the, we have the hold hold my beer syndrome until we're probably about 28. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's right. like, which is why, why we don't live as long. Right. So, right. It, you know, but you, you take someone who, you know, that old 30, right. And it, it finally, they, they figure it out or whatever the case is. Deers figured that out in three and a half years, four years, you know, mm-hmm. you know, and like, not just like figured it out, but are experts at it at that point, you know what I mean? Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and, and it's because they live it every day. It's like, I, we often forget, I think that we're, when we're entering their world when we're bow hunting, you know, it's like, we are a visitor, <laughs> nothing more than a visitor, yeah. you know, cause that's, yep. that's their life, you know, day in and day out. And, um, you know, it just, it allows them to be next level with that type of stuff. And not to mention just how, how much more keen their senses are, you know, which is, you know, the other, you know, the icing on the cake, but how to use it, you know, they just, you know, they're, they have a PhD in how to use that stuff. And we're the best that you could be at it is still only going to be a fraction of their capability and how to understand it and how to, and how to utilize it, you know, at least, at least in my opinion, yep. if that makes sense. But, uh, True. so man, I want to, I, I think I want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, the time of year. I always like to ask this question, I guess maybe I'll, I'll phrase it this way. What time of year do you typically find most of your success is it october well, is it early season is it november late season what what time frame do you usually you know fill fill most of your tags well if you look over my whole life i've been hunting this will be my 39th year i started when i was 12 um if, if bow hunting um if you look over my whole life so i come from a little bit different era than than mm-hmm. than you you know um uh, there's a lot of guys that are doing the early season stuff now and right. getting some early and late season stuff. In my time, you were a rut hunter. That's right. what we did. You know what I mean? Right. We prepared for the rut. We took our time off in the rut. We read sign. We looked for rut sign all year round. You know what I mean? Like, right. that's what we were. We were rut hunters. So rut hunting is what was put in our brains. Right. My mind, when I generally am scouting, I'm generally scouting for the rut. Okay. However, the last few years, I'm really digging the early season stuff. I I really am. I've, I've killed a few deer. Um, mm-hmm. I killed one, like I said, um, a few years back, October seventh. Uh, was it October tenth in 2019, 2020? Last year, I killed one September fourth. Uh, so in went to Michigan for October for the opener in October and very, very close to killing a, a good buck um in the first week of October. So so their opener out there. Um I'm really kind of digging the early season stuff. I never put a lot into it. I wouldn't even like take time off right early. 
it was right. all about like, hey, I need that first week of October or November. You know what I mean? Like, right. And to be honest with you, I've, like this year here, uh, November came and I got um, me and my wife got diagnosed with COVID like November seventh or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I was in quarantine for two weeks. It was like perfect. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm going to the woods. I'm staying in my own truck, going paddling out in the back of of a lake and you know what I mean? And going off in the woods, I, I was still quarantined and I wasn't going around people. You know what I mean? And, right. But I was, I was burnt. But then three States, you know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I wasn't ready for that. You know what I mean? I really wasn't ready for that much time off and I was burnt out. I gave up like the, the last week of it. I didn't kill anything in, in November and I was burnt. I told, I called Greg and said, dude, I'm just, I'm fried. Dude. Right, right. No, nah, dude, it's, you know it's, I mean? I'm, it's, I'm sick of watching spikes and forks walk by, and I know I right. see all these big tracks in here, but I'm done, dude. I'm just done. I'm not, I'm not getting up in the morning and battling back anymore. I'm done. I'm fried. Right. And I put the boat down. I mean, I didn't pick it up until like right at Christmas. You know what I mean? Like, I was done for a while, man. Yeah, man. I, I dude, I can totally understand, man. I, I've said this a hundred times on this podcast, but both, you know, my buddy Chad Sylvester and I, we both said it's some of these guys claim they could hunt every day, and I'm like, you know, I think some of it's a little bit of BS for some, for some folks. I think there are some guys that can and, and, and or would, but my sweet spot is about two weeks straight. You know, after that, I need a little bit, I need a little bit of a break. You know, I need a little, yeah. a little, a little recharge. You know, usually when I take my, take a trip at the beginning of November and I'm gone for two weeks, usually when I get back, I need a couple days off. And I, and I don't think taking some time off is bad, man. Even I've learned even on like these travel hunts that I go do, if it's just, if it's just like a week, then I'm going to mm-hmm. just power through, you know what I mean? Cause I, I got six days, seven days, whatever it is to get it done. But if I'm out yeah. on a trip, like I was whenever I was in Iowa, that it was two weeks and this past year when I was in Missouri and then in Ohio, and then this year I'm going to Kansas for two weeks. It's like that two week trip trip, man. Like there's going to be at least two days during that trip where I probably won't get up in the morning and go hunt and maybe just hunt the evening and give myself like the yeah. opportunity just to kind of recharge. I've learned that like, if I don't do that, I start to make really, really s- stupid mistakes that in the end will yeah. end up costing me, you know? Yeah, and you're so, just going through the motions. You're going through the motions then. You're yeah. not going, you're not, not making sharp. clear decisions. Yeah. yeah. You're not yeah. making clear decisions. You're just going through the motions then. Yeah. And so I've yeah. learned, you know, over screwing some stuff up on some of these trips like that to where I'm better off giving myself a, you know, a mental day off or a half day off and sleep in, you know, and being sharp when I'm in the woods than I am to just grind it through because I feel like I have to. Yeah. Um, and, and the thing is too, dude, like Clint, things pile up at home. We got, we got to go, you got to take care of things. Too, you know what I mean? <laughs> this is, this is, there you're, is you're, like you're sitting in the, you're sitting in the stand. You're thinking about, Oh my God, man. Yeah. I really let this slip. I let that slip. Oh like, yeah. I got to get some things done here. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, so you, yeah. you mentioned, you mentioned your scouting, right? You, a lot of times is, you know, you're looking at like rut sign and stuff and stuff like that, you know, and I'm always curious cause we talked about the traveling and, you know, and just in general, when you're travel hunting and stuff like that, you're kind of, you know, we hunt, we hunt similarly in that, in that regard. I'm curious, you know, cause I, I've talked to people who do this two different ways, right? Some people mm-hmm. they'll postseason scout and it's very much, they make a plan in the, in the postseason, based on what they've seen. Right. And they're going to work that plan the coming year. Not, not saying they're going to not adapt it. Right. But they're going to, I mean, they're going to work that plan. They've done their scouting. They found six, seven great spots, just making up a number. Right. And they're going to hunt those spots 
within reason, right? They might move slightly or whatever, but those are the kind of the designated areas that they think that what they've learned tells them is where their opportunities are going to be. I've also right. met guys, you know, and I probably fall a little bit more on this camp where I do my postseason scouting and I get a good idea of like what's going on in an area. Um, and then I'll run some truck cameras and validate maybe the deer that are around and stuff like that. And there might be a handful of spots that maybe there's like a primary scrape with like a li- hammer licking branch that you're just like, that's getting hit like all year round, right? That's outside mm-hmm. of bedding. That might be a place where it's like, yeah, I'm definitely going to hunt that, you know, but there might, but I may end up going in there in, you know, out of those seven spots that I pick out, I may only end up hunting two of them during the course of the year. And I will just kind of hop around and find the sign wherever it's being laid down during that time of the year and be hunting those places and never actually make it to the places that I scouted during the post during the off season. So what's your right. approach? Like how much does, how much does your postseason scouting dictate your hunts for the upcoming year? Well, for, if we're talking local or if we're talking, yeah, let's go, you know, let's go, let's go local for this one. Okay. So for local, I mean, it means a lot. It means a lot, especially um, for for local hunting. I the postseason. I don't ne- necessarily go into a lot of places that I've, I'm familiar with. Mm-hmm. So I, I try to expand my horizons a little bit locally in, in the winter time. So for the most part, I'm I'm looking for things and and I'm gonna mark them and I'm gonna you know. How do I want to say it? I'm gonna put, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it in in my Onyx, mm-hmm. and then it's gonna be. Those are gonna be waypoints on the days on Friday nights when I'm sitting here and I'm planning where I want to go, mm-hmm. depending on the weather, the wind, um, where I've hunted, and you know, tomorrow morning specifically, where I'm gonna go. I got till noon tomorrow morning, and where I this is my hunt for the week. I'm going to utilize those pins then. That's that's basically what it is. It's going to be scrapes, rubs, and you know beds, those kind of things for that. Right. If, if that makes sense, it's, no, going to, totally. it's going to go in my library. It's going to go in my my map, and I'm going to like I sit here on on, on Friday night if I, I got out of work a little bit later or whatever, and I come in here and I start getting my things together and I start putting I start looking at weather. Mm-hmm. Okay, the wind's going to be doing this, this, and this. I'm okay. Let me look at Onyx. Okay, okay, got that spot. Yeah, but I've been in there two times. You know, I've been in that. I've, I've paddled back in there two times this this year already. I don't want to go in there anymore. Um, here and there and this and that, and you, you start putting together a plan for the next day. But all those pins that you got on on your maps are all places that you can go. Mm-hmm. Unless something is really, really super hot, like I, you know what I mean. Oh, I, I found the sheds in there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I got a lot of sheds. I find a lot of sheds. If, if I put something like that where I know there's an absolute monster in there, and I know, well, he was in there in the winter time. He had rubs. You know, it looks like his. You know, he's got uh, rut sign and winter sign in there. I mean, this mm-hmm. dude is living in there. You know, you, right. you start, you put a plan together. Like, I, I think I should be in there in October. Mm-hmm. I think I should be in there late on. You know what I mean? You, you start, you start, put, that's really all that the postseason is for me. It's just, I, I do a lot of shed hunting. I, um, 
um, marking scrapes and, and um, rubs and beds, and it, it all just goes into my map. You right. know what I mean? And all that really is, that map is really just a a log, right. really, you know what I mean, that I can draw off of when I'm making a plan on a Friday night. Right. And it, I think, I it, think, no, it totally makes sense. And I think one of the things that you mentioned that, you know, is, uh, you know, I think in, it is important and something that I do too, is you mentioned when is he, when is a particular deer or when are the deer that you would like to kill using that spot? Right. Like that's mm-hmm. the, that's the ultimate part, right. Is like, is figuring out when they're actually going to be there. Right. Because, you know, and one of the things I use to do that is trail cameras, right? Like I'll, like, if it's a new piece to me, I'm going to put trail cameras up on a bunch of scrapes and stuff like that. And then I'm going to watch and see, or if I find beds, I'm going to put them close to beds and I'm going to find and see when are the deer using this scrape is like a lot of times you can tell if it's a community scrape, it's being hit all year round. Like those are gold mine. Right. But when does it really turn on? Like, I want to know what, what that date is. Cause I'm probably not going to hunt it until then. Right. It's like, and I want to yeah. know what those time frames are if a deer is living in an area, right. It's like, well then, yeah, it's like you try to figure out when is he, when is he most consistent in, in, in those spots and, you know, and you want to hunt them, you know, accordingly to that, I guess, let me ask you, let me ask you this way. Say you have a, a killer spot, right. Mm-hmm. And say, you know, there's a, a big deer in an area, right. And say you have some like data, whether it's been an encounter a year ago or maybe some trail camera data that says, you know, he likes, he's likely in this area, let's just say October 15th is when he starts to be a little bit more consistent. Right. Mm -hmm. And say, you know, but you know, he's in there often and you've got the right wind, you got the right weather and and you're just Friday and you're like, I'm going to go hunt him this weekend. And it's the 10th, right. Because I got the right conditions, but you're walking in. And when you're walking in there, you find a hammer rub that is on a tree that is as big around as your waist. And it's up to your neck. And there's a scrape that was just pawed uh, like three yards away from it. Are you passing that and going to where that, where the deer you want to kill, where you think he's spending a lot of time and maybe it's a half mile away, or are you setting up on that sign you just saw? I'm going to set up on that sign. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go okay. in there and bust all the rest of the stuff. I mean, that's right. to me, that's, that's easy, easy okay. to me. I'm not going to go bust up stuff. And, depending on how far you're saying it is from the new stuff to where he was at, it could be him could unless be him. there's yeah. so yeah, it could, it, it could, you know, unless he's got some unique points on his brows that would, you know what I mean? Or, or right. bases or something like that, that would have been, you'd be able to tell on the, on the rubs or whatever. But right. yeah. Right. Okay. I'm not walking by. That okay. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I wouldn't either, man. I just, I'm just curious. Yeah. I'm always, I'm, you know, I'm all, yeah. cause there are certainly, you know, f- folks who get married to a plan and they're going to work their plan, you know, to, cause they mm-hmm. think that they are, their postseason scouting has told them what they need to know. And look, plenty, plenty of people kill deer yeah. that way every year, you know what I mean? So it's, I'm not going to poo poo their approach if it's yeah. working for them. You know, I'm well, always just you know curious. Though, honestly, their post, their postseason planning and their postseason, postseason scouting has really actually worked if they walk in halfway in and they hit those that sign. Yep. It still exactly. put them in a good spot. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. Like, they they walked in there and, oh, well, maybe I'm not going two miles in. I'm only going a mile in. Or maybe I'm only going three quarters of a mile in. Whatever. Right. right. But I did walk two miles in there in the wintertime. But, dude, I got to hunt this first. 
Like, especially if this is two different bucks. Let me hit try killing this dude first. Right. Right? Yeah. You know what I mean? I always got the other guy to fall back on if they're two different bucks. Right. And I'm not killing him if he's two miles back you know, or a mile and a half back, you know what I mean? Whatever it is. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'm doing, I'm, I'm hunting that hot sign now. Right. Uh, that, that's, that's, that's real easy for me. Right. So you, you mentioned, we, you mentioned weather and you, you had mentioned you know, moon phase earlier where it's, you know, not really subscribing to that is what I kind of took away. You know, mm-hmm. is there, are there specific, you know, what's your, you know, weather conditions that you're looking for? Is there like some guys are really into, you know, I know Chad, my buddy, Chad, you know, because he runs so many trail cameras and stuff like that. Yeah. Like he started creating yeah, kind of spreadsheets of wind data, you know, like based mm-hmm. on like trail camera pictures that he's getting and looking at the historical wind data to get wind speeds to see when deer are moving on particular parcels based on wind speed. And he's actually found some stuff that's pretty interesting where he's finds some consistency with deer in this particular area that like to move in a, that like to move more often in a specific kind of range of wind speed. And so I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm always curious if guys, if there's like, you know, do you, are you a big believer in barometric pressure? You know, or is there a wind speed that you kind of prefer? Like what's your, what's your take on some of that stuff and what do you like? Well, the moon, I think the moon, um, the, the, the funny thing is that I, I've always kind of believed in the moon for feeding times and all that kind of stuff and mm-hmm. activity times. But then there's sometimes that it's just like, it should be perfect. And it's not, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But, but yet a lot of times when you're driving around and, and you look out in the field and it's 1130 in the morning and and you look at your, you hurry up and look at your watch real quick and you look at your, or you look at your app and you're like, yeah, dude, it's freaking perfect, perfect <laughs> moon timer. Now. That's why they're there. You know what right. I mean? Like what's the other, you know what I mean? But, and then, but then other times it's not, it's, I don't know if there's a whole lot of consistency with it. I think um, for hunting, I think if it's close to the, the morning, you know, the, the, the sunrise and the, and the sunset, mm-hmm. I think you can try to utilize it a little bit. Right. The only thing I really think about wind that much is a 10 mile an hour wind to me, the, like the, the, the eight to 12 mile an hour wind, when you have those winds, they're generally consistent. Right. Especially like in November when the leaves are starting to fall and stuff like that. If you have a 12, 10 or 12 mile an hour wind, out of the northwest that's a solid straight wind and you don't have a lot of you know backflow and in in uh variables or anything like that it's generally straight northwest all day long when it's 10 miles an hour or a lot but when you talk about in um you you talk about like um different wind speeds and and, and all, all that kind of stuff with data and stuff like that there's been plenty of people that have written about that in the last 30 years yeah about different winds and, and, and stuff like that you know mm-hmm. um about you know if when you're 15 you're just lay down right a lot of people say that i i don't necessarily buy that but um there's been a lot of stuff written about that i mean you gotta think about it like i'm 51 years old when i was growing up what we had was you know, we had um, a, a couple of VCR tapes and and magazines is what we had to go by. So right. we, we believed everything that we read. You know what I mean? Like that, we believe that stuff. You know what I mean? Like these guys knew what they're talking about. Now, now, now you start to find out, like well, these guys didn't know anything more than any of us. Right. You know what I mean? But they were trying to make a living off of writing. You know what I mean? And so they 
they had some hot thing that they thought they could sell and you know yeah, yeah. It, it, you know what I mean? we, did, we didn't have the information that we have now yeah back in those days we, no. did, we did not hundred percent, man. Like I totally, totally agree. I mean, I, when I, where I grew up, I mean, we didn't have like cable or so there was no like outdoor channel or anything like that. So I, yeah, didn't, yeah. I didn't even read hunting magazines growing up. That wasn't even like a thing. Like we didn't even have money for that. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. So it was, you know, it was just learning from, from the old man. It's, it's funny. Cause like, I'm the same way. I think most people are, as far as like the wind speed, it's like, I want just enough to get like a, 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 um, workable wind, if you will. And if I can get yeah. just enough to give me a little bit of cover sound too, I'm pretty happy with that. Um, yeah. You know, the moon stuff, like I remember when I first started kind of checking it out and playing around with it. it I remember the first hunt I did using the moon and it worked like almost to like the minute I saw two bucks, mm-hmm. you know, and it was like, er, it was early season. It was, we open early where I'm at here. So it was probably around like September 19th or 17th or something like that. Never yeah. again had it ever worked. You know what I mean? Like I used the moon dial that year and never again did I see it kind of actually play out. The one thing Mm -hmm. I do find interesting is like, um, I forget the guy's name now, maybe Justin Hollinsworth. Does that sound, does that sound correct? I think he's buddies with like, I know the name, but yeah, I'm not, I'm, yeah. Oh, as far as like either side of the moon. Yeah. Four days after, I think a full moon, like the mornings, you know, and four days leading up to the full moon is an evening. Like that always was kind of interesting to me and, and somewhat made sense. Um, but I haven't kind of played around with it enough. Like this year was really probably the first year that I really paid attention to it. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I think that fell like close to the rut, like close to Halloween, if memory serves. So I wasn't sure if I was like, you know, I, I think it was like, yeah, there's a bunch of activity in general because it was right around the time frame where they're going to really start yeah. amping, you know, ramp, ramping up their movement. Um, Clint, over the years, over the over the years, I've listened to everything that you can possibly imagine. And I'd love to say that there's some sort of magical taboo right. for it because it would be great if there was, but there is not. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? There, there really isn't a whole lot of magical taboo. There really, there isn't. You just got to get in there and you got to go learn from the deer and, and go and do what you got to do. You know what I mean? And, and you got to be, you got to be kind of, they can't smell you and they definitely can't smell your ground scent. You know yeah. what I mean? I, that's yep. the one thing I, I, I can control all the other things. When when they smell your ground scent, there's no rubber boots, there's no sprays, there's none of that crap on the ground yep. that works. Yep. You know what I mean? When they come across your tracks, you're done. And and if we start thinking about like your what you say, your 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 dog goes crazy. Yeah. When it gets close and it gets downwind and it starts throwing its body language. That's the same exact body language that you see deer do. Dude, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's funny you say that because that was like the, you know, no, I mean, and I kind of, I subscribe to a lot of the same stuff that you kind of, you know, that, that, that you do as well, as far as like my, my scent mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But, you know, it was watching a dog work like, like that and get downwind of something and, and be able to work it like that. And then, you know, and, and I, and I play the wind, you know, when I hunt and I try to have like the best entry and exits that I can based on wind and stuff like that. But it was just watching him work and then made me stop and think about his nose is a fraction, like a fraction of what a deer's nose is. Right. And if you think for a minute, like, I don't think any, anything on the market will beat his nose. 
if I'm being, you know, right. just being honest, you know what I mean? Like there's not a spray yeah. and ozone machine, like nothing. It's going to beat his nose in the field. I don't think, you know? And yeah. so then multiply that by however many you need to multiply it by to get to the, to the, the sensitivity of a deer's nose. And it's just like, it's game over. There's nothing, nothing, yeah. you yeah. know? So, so real quick though, I do, I, I have an ozone unit and I've been used, I've been running over the last three years. Mm-hmm. In 2019, the deer that I killed, he was probably a four-year-old buck. He was a uh, nine-pointer. Mm-hmm. And he came in, it was about uh, um, the wind. Let me see. He was, the wind was northwest. It was about seven miles an hour. He, I was a little bit higher than him in elevation, probably about, um, elevation-wise, probably about nine to ten. 10 foot of elevation drop. So he was a little bit lower than me. Mm-hmm. I was up in the tree about 17 feet. Um, I had ozone unit running. He, he had, there was a smaller buck. It was probably, it was a, a 10 pointer, but it was a little bit tighter rack came through first. They were going to bed and their, their beds were right there downwind mm-hmm. of where I was at, right downwind of where I was at. He, started to do the, like a dog would do, like he, the first yeah. year that came in was, they were running partners. I seen them t- uh, 10 days earlier, about 50 yards um, to the north in the morning hunt. Hmm. Um, I, I cut in downwind of where they were a little bit south of it and got in there and got set up um, in a smaller pinch point where I thought they were going to be bedding. I didn't know there were, where they bed. It was a, completely new piece it was the second time i hunted it when i this morning here the the first morning um they busted me in the tree it was my second time in a saddle and i didn't know exactly how to set up and i screwed the whole damn thing up but anyway <laughs> that's not that's that's another whole thing right um but i redemption 10 days later i came back in there um had an ozone unit running it was only seven mile an hour winds they came in. They came in from the north, and they cut in. And the the wind was northwest. They got into to like my southeast in this pinch point. The first buck came through. I was like, oh shoot! He come through, and he started to do the like I'm getting ready to bed down thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like like a dog would kind of do. And all of a sudden, he kind of stuck his nose in the air a little bit, and he was just like. He kind of whiffed it, and he was just like, mm. didn't get spooked, but he was like, it was enough that he said, I'm not bedding here. Right. And he was the lead deer. He was a little bit smaller than the deer I shot and just kind of walked off, like, we're going to go ahead at the other bed. Right. The other, the, the next buck came through after that, and he was at 17 yards, longest shot I've taken with a with traditional, and boom, stuck him. Um, I don't know if he was going to do something different, but that first lead deer that he was kind of relying on a little bit, the Ozonics kept it. To me, in my opinion, the Ozonics made it so he didn't at least blow out of there. Right. And I didn't get a shot at either one of them. You, you, you know what I mean? Yep. And I've had other deer. I've had other deer, mature, like mature does and small bucks, get downwind of me and just kind of like stick their nose in the air. Mm-hmm. And not know exactly what it was, and then just keep walking. Right. I don't know, like mature deer, like 
five-year-olds and six-year-olds what they would do. But I can tell you right now that that that, that those two four-year-olds, the first one, he just kind of like stuck his nose in the air and was like, mm, "I'm not betting here." Right. Yeah, and I've had. We're, we're gonna we're gonna work off to the next bet. You know right. what I mean? Like, well, I don't feel like we're gonna get killed here. But we're just not going to bed right here. You know what right. I mean, kind of deal? And, and I think that that's what some products can can do, is they can buy you three seconds, you know what I mean, to get an opportunity, right, where otherwise you, you, yeah. may, you may not, right? And so I, I, I think that that's what they're, what they're capable of. Because I, I, I ran one for a season, and I had similar experience to, to you, where it's like I had, I had some, you know, in my experience, I had some younger deer get downwind of me and like, and it, it fooled them for long enough, you know what I mean? Or, you know, and, and maybe, you know, I didn't drop milkweed at the moment. And maybe if I would have, maybe the current was going somewhere else and maybe it was just my wind that was, was beating them at that point. You know, I, I don't, I don't know exactly, but I, I did use it and I did see a similar effect. The other thing that I've had happen though, too, is that without a whole lot of wind, I had a like, had a pool basically at the bottom of my tree and I've had deer come in and just kind of be like, Whoa, there's a lot of something here. I'm, I'm going to get out of here. You know what I mean? Where like it yeah, actually spooked them, spooked them, the, like the unit itself spooked them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, cause it wasn't my ground scent cause they weren't there yet. You know, they didn't get there yeah. to where I kind of accessed the tree. And the only thing that could have been possible is that they were smelling that, you know, ozone or whatever that was pulling at the bottom of the tree that was just super saturated, you know, and they were like, whoa, that's, yeah. that's weird. That doesn't seem right. Too much of something. Yeah. Too much, too much of something. something. Yeah. Whatever it was, it was too much, too much of something. And so I just ended up like, what I do like it for is cleaning my clothes in between hunts. I use it religiously for that. Okay. You know, it's like, yeah. for, for sure. You know, it's like, that's a hundred percent. I use it after every hunt, you know, especially when I'm on those travel hunts and can't wash my clothes or anything like that. You know, it's, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's what I'm, that's what I'm using. But I stopped carrying it just in general. Cause I was like, ah, I don't know if it's buying me enough. And you know, all the encounters that I've had since it's like, I've actually had better encounters, you know? And so yeah. I, I was just like well, I, I've a little about bit selling it. I've thought about selling my, my ozonics, but, the a buddy of mine, not DJ, not DJ Rutledge, but a, another buddy, Steve, he swears by, it. and this guy is a killer. Really? I mean, he he is a, another killer. You know what I mean? A public land guy, mm-hmm. and he goes all over the country, actually into Canada hunting, and he swears by him. <laughs> and he he's like, no, 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 definitely something that will change the way you hunt, dude. It, right. it definitely will. And you know, he, he swears by him. And, you know, you got to go with so, – sometimes you got to go with what experienced guys will tell you. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I bought it because I thought I'm hunting with a recurve now. I got to get as close as I possibly can, you know, the 450 bucks on this whole setup. Is it – you know, can it buy me a yard or a few seconds or whatever? You know what I mean? I, yeah. I, bought, I bought it. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, has it changed anything? I don't think I would have killed the nine pointer in right. 2019. I really don't. Right. I think they would have both spooked. You know what I mean? But yeah. Yeah. And that's the other thing too, man. It's like confidence in your gear, man. It, yeah. it, it, like, so say that it doesn't work at all. The fact that you mm-hmm. have confidence in the, in the fact that you will, that you feel like you'll get an extra second or two to make the, to take the opportunity. That sometimes mm-hmm. is the, is the difference. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's the thing between your ears, right? Um, it's like, it's, it's making that thing think you can, <laughs> you know, sometimes yeah. the, is, is how you win. It, like I said, it goes against everything that I possibly can, 
fathom and think and know about what I've seen deer do, but right. for some reason it seems like that one specific time it did kind of, right. kind of work. But maybe it didn't. You know what I mean? Maybe right. it was just. But dude, I was dropping milkweed all morning and it was going right. right. Yeah. <laughs> <You know what? laughs> exactly. Exactly. And the wind didn't change. You know what I mean? It was just right. Yeah. Right. So. So man, I've ha- I've kept you hostage here, man, for like a little. Um, we're coming up on almost two hours, dude. I could talk to you for another two hours, but I, I want to ask you one last question before I let you let you get out of here if you're game for it. Yep. Um, so I always kind of like to end on this when I heard you know uh, Chad did this to me on like their on their on the Exodus podcast at one point. And I kind of stole it from them because I thought it was a really good question. Um, and I always like to ask guys this now, kind of a little bit, put them on the spot, but it also, I'm just always curious what the answer is. If you had to build a team of hunters, say like a three on three tournament, right. That you were, that you were the coach of, and you could pick any three hunters to put on your team, whether they are public land hunters, whether they are private land hunters, whether they are dead, alive, no, if you, whether you know them or not, doesn't matter. Right. You had to pick three people to drop on any parcel of land anywhere and that they would, that they would be able to fill tags better than any other team that they might go up against. Who would those three hunters be? Okay. First of all, DJ Rutledge, mm-hmm. he, he's number one and you guys, nobody in your audience knows who he is, but he's a freaking killer. The guy's killed 300 turkeys. With bows, guns, four tens, he's done. He's done it all. Um, and he kills 140 inch deer every single year in in South Jersey, and he travels and does it in other states as well. Um, I put him. I put uh, another South Jersey guy, um, Steve. uh, Um, Nanook is what his his handle is. Um, I put him number two and a guy that I've always I've always loved and I have a lot of respect for him as a person he's not a public land hunter so he I, I, I but I still love him in in um I, Bill Winky mm-hmm. Bill Bill Winky is a killer mm-hmm. you, know, you know what I mean but yeah um I would put my two local guys up against everybody from every other place. Johnny Stewart, just because I know what, what Greg says about him. Right. Johnny Stewart is probably right there as well because he's a public land. He does it on public land as well. Um, but um, Bill Winky, I think Bill Winky killed deer on, on public land. just as quick as he can on his, on his private yeah. land. Bill, Bill's got a system, man. Like he's, he's a good hunter mm-hmm. for whatever people might want to think or say about him or whatever. The dude, the dude knows his stuff when it comes to hunting deer. Like he's just observed deer for so long. Yeah. You know what I mean? He just, he, you know, it, it's just, yeah. he understands them. Right. And that's like, once you get to a yeah. certain point like that, it's like, I would say like another guy like that, you know, who I have a lot of respect for is Don Higgins. Right. It's like, yeah. Yep. you know, just kills monster deer and you can say, yeah, he's killing them on farms or whatever, blah, blah, you know, mm-hmm. but it's like, look, the guy has forgotten more about deer than I'll probably ever know. You know, yep. and that's a just, lot of those guys too. A lot of those guys too. The only reason why they don't hunt public is because they understand they, they want to be able to control the time that they do have to hunt. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not going to say that, 
you, you know what I mean? Like the the guys that do hunt public all the time, all mm-hmm. of us that do, we have to deal with it every single day. Yeah. And the the stuff that that um and, and you know Bill, I, I think in in this year Bill is learning a little bit more. He's hunting he's hunting um handshake mm-hmm. uh, stuff because he sold his farm and stuff yep. his, his big farm and stuff like that. He's learning a little bit more about it. And and, and he's not that he's never done it in the past. He just knows enough about deer. Yeah. that he can kill deer no matter where he goes but he's probably doesn't want to screw the time up that he does have and go and hunt the public land he has around as well right you know right. what i mean like yeah so but um dj rutledge at some point i i gotta put you in touch with him i was just gonna he, we, we can talk we he's can awesome. Yeah, I was just gonna say we we'll have to talk about that when we when we hang up here because that sounds like a guy I might need yeah. to might need to talk to. But he's he's the guy when I when I go and I leave my house, it doesn't matter if I'm going to Delaware, Maryland, if I'm going to Pennsylvania, if I'm in anywhere in anywhere in South Jersey, I'll send him my pin on the area that I'm going because he's the only person that will ever be able to find me if I if I die out there. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like, right. I, I send him, seriously, I, I send him pins and say, dude, I'm paddling back in here. You know how hunts go. I, this is where I want to be. But if things change, I'm going to be somewhere in this swamp. Right. You know, you know what I mean? And, and he, okay, no problem. Just send me a couple updates throughout the day so just in case something happens. Right. You know what I mean? That, that He's a duck hunter, and you know what I mean? Like, he could be there in... In South Jersey, he could be there in 40 minutes. You'd find me. You know what I mean? Right, like that's, right. that's how much confidence I have in DJ Rutledge. He's right. he is a freaking killer. Nice. So, well, awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on the on the show, dude. We'll have to do another one with me, you, and Greg together. We'll have to get together sometime and and hang out and do one in person and chop it up and maybe hit the timber or something together one of these days. Yeah, that'd be great. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on, brother. You have yourself a good night. You too. Thanks, Clint. All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. And if you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating. And hell, while you're at it, head over to YouTube and give us a sub there, too. I'd be super appreciative if you'd be able to do those two things for me. And before I shut this thing down, I need to give a big shout-out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Tethered, Exodus Outdoor Gear, Skull Brew Coffee Company, and Maven Optics. And until next time, we'll see y'all. All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long-sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do-hard-shit hat for those of us who like to embrace micro-dosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear.